Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That's Arthi. That's Noor. And you're listening to The Reality Is. How are you, Arthi? I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. That's great. Winter's upon us, so that mm-hmm. mood swings, but I'm hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a suspiciously good week, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. What do you mean, suspiciously good week? <laughs> You know, I just can't accept a good thing. That's true. <laughs> like, Maybe that's why. I'm like, when you said, how are you feeling, Arthi? I'm like a little bit confused. It's like, uh, nothing really bad happened, but I know something <laughs> bad has to happen. So I'm going to say, okay. I'm going to say I'm okay because I don't believe I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, I feel like culturally speaking, we're like very much. Is that just a Daisy thing though? I don't think it's just a Daisy thing. I think like in general, uh-huh. I think it's maybe, I'm sure white people go through it too. But uh-huh. like, I do think that there is something to say about like how women are sort of told to process things. I do think that if you have any religion in your life, it's like this where like you feel guilty for being happy and then you feel guilty for being sad. For us, you can't be too happy because then you're going to like jinx it. You're going to give yourself the evil eye. Yeah. And then you can't be too sad because then it's like, oh my God, you ungrateful piece of shit. There's people dying everywhere. Exactly. So sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to sit here like a robot. And not feel a damn thing. But yeah, that's why I'm like, you know, this week was good, but it was suspiciously good. Because like, yeah, what's around the corner? Yeah, right. You don't trust the universe to be good to you. Plus, in our religion, like in Hinduism, everything has to be in balance. So, you know, if there's something really good happening, then it will be balanced out by something bad happening. So it's like, uh... Okay, so something really good happened. So I'm like looking to see where when the next shoe is going to fall and, you know, what's going to happen. What's around the corner that I have to be prepared for? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't believe that the universe is necessarily good to me, but I do think that the universe like is going to throw some shit my way and then like, but I'll still be okay. Like I'm such a believer in signs and things like that. I just feel like I'll be okay. But I am still suspicious of my, you know, good week because, you know, it feels... It also feels like off brand to be like happy in 2020. I'm like, am I doing it wrong? I think I'm wearing this outfit badly. Like this isn't how we're supposed to do it (laughs) in 2020, you know? You feel like all of a sudden you're wearing Giselle's fashion. I feel like I'm dressed like fucking Mary from Salt Lake City, okay? (laughs) I'm so confused about how the hell Lisa from Salt Lake City was like, First of all, Lisa from Salt Lake City is the fakest person I've ever oh. seen on reality. Oh. Everything is. I love Everything. that. It's the way she I talks. It's the way she talks. It's I love everything that. About it. Yeah. <laughs> she, it is so fake. She's so fake about everything. She's fake about I, everything. I would think that the only, like, if, if Lisa ever complimented me, I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm screwed. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think Lisa that. herself has the best taste. So I wouldn't trust her to tell me how I dress. She's pretty skinny. So everything fits mm-hmm. her. And then Bad she wears bitch. shoes. I know. First of all, I hate <laughs> her for that. And then on top of it, uh, she has these huge fur coats or, you know, puffy, uh, you know, jackets or whatever. There's nothing remarkable about her fashion sense. No, nothing. She's perfectly middle of the road, right? Yeah. So the weird thing is, obviously, I think everybody that listens to us listens to Watch What Crap Ends, right? Right. So now, whenever I watch lisa say anything all i hear is ronnie's voice (laughs) like we'll talk about salt lake city but there's a moment when she you know jenna's crying at that party being ridiculous Mm -hmm. and she walks in and she's like she goes she's like like, simmer down simmer down it's a party simmer down everybody like she's got this really crazy husky voice simmer down i was like what is that (laughs) 
whenever she's saying anything, all I hear is Ronnie. Like, yeah. even though I hear her voice, I just start giggling to myself because <laughs> makes her sound so crazy. All right, yeah. well, we'll get to it. All right, let's talk about Ronnie. Potomac. <laughs> Yeah. So Potomac. Oh, the Potomac. All right. Yeah, come back to DC. Come back to DC. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get back to DC. Okay. Karen gives us a peek of her new wig business and other business we have no business in seeing. <laughs> yeah, there were yeah there were parts of her that you and I should like in in in, in the words of uh, Meredith's son. There were parts of her that we should have to see. Yeah, yeah. I was actually watching that scene, like Meredith's son, like peering <laughs> over the side of the couch, like mm, I don't want to do this. Um, Juan and Robin, still barely out of debt, are inexplicably. Shopping for a one point six million dollar house. Oh my Wait, god, that was a six million dollar house. No, it was one point six. Oh yeah, one point six. <laughs> <laughs> like, Robin, uh, I love no, it. Ro- no, that was that was completely an ad and a placement in uh, you yeah. know uh, uh, promoting her friend who is a real estate <laughs> person. And the- Robin and Juan cannot buy that house. Trust no, me. They, they can't. <laughs> they can't. I mean, Juan is paid well now, but yeah. <laughs> even with yeah, that, yeah. he's not gonna pay. He's not gonna buy a one point six million dollar house. One point six out of your realm. Yeah, but although the houses that you know in and around here, it's not out of the realm to find a house like that and find out that it's one point six. But no, nah, they're not buying that for sure. I mean, I I think recently actually Candace finally bought her house. Uh huh. And everybody's like, it's not even in Potomac. I'm like, bitch, nobody's in Potomac. And yeah. Also, where Candace lives is really nice, I think. I th- oh. So she's closer to Wendy and Robin than she is to Potomac. Oh, that would be closer to Baltimore then. It's like yes. north of Correct. DC. Yeah. Correct. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, Giselle's kids hate their dad and we hate him too. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so Giselle arranges for uh, a family. A Sears portrait studio. Sears portrait studio. Family <laughs> photograph. Uh, and the the last one that she said was when they separated. The kids were babies. I didn't realize how small they were when they separated. They were babies. Yeah. So these girls have not had any proper relationship with Jamal at all. I mean, he's dead, dead, yeah. but not like it wasn't like he. They were together for a long time. The kids have an awareness of what he is or, as a dad before. It's very confusing because to one degree, you hear Giselle talk about like, oh, he's always been around. We've been friends like even though we haven't been together like he's still in their life blah 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 but the kids literally feel like he is the shitty boyfriend that just like picked up on the side of the road the kids were actually loved her prior the previous boyfriend what was his name again sherman sherman they were like sherman sherman they were having like calls with him they loved him yeah they hate their dad as a as her boyfriend they hate him they absolutely hate him and i well i here's my theory okay we're putting on our q and on our RH and on tinfoil hats. <laughs> My theory has always has been that this is just a storyline. Ah. And that's why I feel like Grace is so annoying because it's like, why are you putting on this like fake friend? Because uh-huh. you know what? If anybody hates fake shit, it's like 15 year olds, right? right? Like they're always, they always think their parents are so fucking phony, right? right? And so I feel like Grace is like, are we really going to have this conversation? Like, this is stupid. Like, why are we doing this? And I feel like Giselle keeps bringing it up on camera and Grace is like, I don't want to talk about this is weird like I, I feel like they thought it was fake shit so they thought it would go away mm, that she yep. was doing and now she, they're like realizing that she keeps bringing them up and that's annoying them because they think that now it's turning to be a real shit and they really don't want him there that's yeah. how i feel like it's moved on from the fake shit stuff it's gone to a point where they're like oh shit you are trying to get together with this guy and we will have to deal with everything that you are going to go through and we don't want to deal with it yeah because who wants to see that yeah it's sad and it's hurtful i mean he said he would be there this is the first family for he called from the airport right so mm-hmm. he was already at the airport so he might have been coming so why couldn't they just put it off for a couple of days I didn't understand why she was rushing to do this on that day. She could have put it off. It felt sad and bad at the same time. I'm like, why are you sitting there talking about it and acting shocked? And yeah, yeah, making it worse for the girls, actually. I mean, so the moment I have to point out that when Jamal 
is calling. She's FaceTiming Jamal, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a manicure at the airport." By the way, I've gotten a manicure at the airport. They are so expensive, right, and not worth your money. I got a twenty dollar neck massage at the Dubai airport once. Mm. It was the best thing ever because it, after sitting in the flight for 14 hours, it was mm. like, oh, it was worth every, I gave her a $20 and then I gave her another $20 tip. I was That's like, so this good. is awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately, JFK, not that cheap. No, no. no. Like, but when he, when he calls and he says, I getting a manicure at the airport. Giselle, like for a split second, stares right into the camera. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's right. just slightly. She's slightly, you know, yeah, slightly diverts from her script, and you could tell that she's like, "This is this is not what we planned. We didn't I, like. I did not tell yeah. them the story that you know you're nearby and you're just getting a fucking manicure. I she, I think she right. made it sound like, oh, homie's like stuck in Ghana. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I really tried. I tried so hard. God knows I tried. I'm like, don't bring God into this, Jamal yeah. Bryant. Oh, Oh, it was disgusting. I felt bad. I didn't feel bad for Giselle. I think no. she, I don't understand why she's with him in the first place, but I felt bad for the girls. They didn't deserve this. No. They didn't deserve to be put through this. After all of these years, you do the first thing you do, you don't disappoint them because that is, it just sets the pattern. And they're like, see, he yeah. disappointed us again. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think he's that great of a dad because we had that moment like a couple of episodes ago where he went to a school function. She was like, how was it? And he was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, So like, I feel like, yeah. It's just- I feel like he was on a phone call in the back the whole mm-hmm. time and just walked out. To a side he's piece. so busy. He's so busy buying the solar company. The sun waits for no one. <laughs> I think our our Hindu priests don't know how to do business because I don't understand how all these religious people have so much money. Mm-hmm. And the Hindu priest here in the temple is still driving his little civic, yeah. struggling. I don't yeah. understand that. So <laughs> a story, a little side side story about yeah. like imams and stuff. In Islam, religiously speaking, there's none of that. Like yeah. you don't have, you're not paying into right. the mosque. Like, yes, you can you can donate to the mosque so that you can maintain the mosque. You can donate to get a mosque built. But same with Hindu temples. Yeah. But like you're not on a payroll. Right. But in the United States, there Uh is an organization in Dallas, Texas. But there's this imam who's a real dirty motherfucker. Okay, so Mm. this guy, he first came on the scene, like I want to say 10 years ago. He was like real skinny, like real nerdy guy. And Mm -hmm. he gained a lot of popularity because he was young and he was relatable and he had like a lot of cool infographics with the way he preached and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He made a whole brand out of it. Okay. And now he is like McMillian's McMansion in Dallas. Like I'm sure he probably lives in the same neighborhoods as like, you know, the Dallas. What was that neighborhood that they all say they're a part of in Mm -hmm. Dallas? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. But they're all like, you know, they're not in Plano. Yeah, they're not in (laughs) play. But this guy, he's like mega, mega, mega rich. And he got really ripped halfway through, like just super buff. And then this whole thing came out that this guy was like a fucking philandering philanderer. Okay, he had, he was married Mm -hmm. when his wife was pregnant with like his seventh child or something, right? Because like they Mm -hmm. just keep fucking like bunnies. Yeah. He had, like, not just an affair. He hired a woman, like, a woman he was attracted to. He hired her. He secretly got married to her, like, in a religious ceremony, told her to Uh stay quiet, continue to have this relationship with her. And then there were rumors that he was getting divorced with his wife, his, like, actual wife. So everybody was like, oh, my God, we have to find this pious guy, like, a new wife or whatever, like, a new girl. (laughs) So he started entertaining, like... Uh, we say you know the word rishta but like he yeah. started entertaining like right. like um D- dates. you know uh, dates yeah. yeah like people were matching him Match- up yes yeah. so he was he was entertaining matches for him yeah. from uh, like other girls right and he would do really creepy things where he would send a lot of girls like really inappropriate text messages and stuff all this shit came out basically the girl that was working for him got Mm -hmm. sick of it, told him like, look, I've been contacted by other women that have told me that you are carrying on an emotional relationship with them. You're Mm -hmm. going on dates with them. You're entertaining the idea of potentially marrying them. And nobody even fucking knows that I'm married to you. 
And he wow. straight up was like, I will destroy you. I will send lawyers to your house. Like disgusting. Like you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to be like a Harvey Weinstein guy who's like right. raping people. You right. can use your power in other ways. Right. And he basically, all his shit came out and he made this statement saying like how, oh, I like, I'm so sorry. Of course, you know, it's like what housewives, he said he's going to go to rehab. I'm like, for what? What are you going to go to rehab for? For lying? <laughs> like what? And so, uh, and like his like whole thing came crumbling down. But you know, there's still dummies out there. It's like you said last week, everybody's got to buy every Hugh Beauty. Somebody's going to buy into Mary's mm-hmm. shit. Somebody's buying any of this. So. Yeah. yeah, that was a little bit of a detour, but just to say that no, we have charlatans like all these sadhus and all these yeah. appears and all that. We have a whole bunch of charlatans and they have like cults all over India. That happens, but not the regular temple priests. They are super poor. They yeah. they struggle, man. Yeah. Um. Okay, back to Potomac. So I don't even remember what we were talking about, but. Oh, yeah, that Jamal Bryan is a piece of shit. There's a scene that was, like, really weird. I have to talk to you about it because you pointed out last week how sometimes when you're uncomfortable, you just, like, have this, like, like, crazy smile on your face, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't tell what's going on with Ashley, but Ashley has that dinner with Michael and Uncle Lump and Sheila. And the whole time, they're like, Ashley, we're so hurt for you, blah, blah, blah. And Ashley is pursing her lips as if she is going to crack up. And I'm like, what's going on with Ashley? I think think she does that too. Yeah, you're right. She does that when she's like, it's not so much she's hurt. She's like... I don't know if she was going to crack up because she was sad or she didn't know how to react. It's almost like she becomes like this audience that's just watching him squirm. Yeah. And she enjoys it. And she's just yes. as, she's like, okay, now you answer and I'm going to sit here and watch you squirm. Yeah, but she, like, she gets doesn't off on it. It's really Yeah, weird. I think she gets off on him. Ashley said she had all the whips and all this in the last episode. She was going off on all of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they have that kind of a relationship and she is the dom so she actually enjoys him squirming and hurting and i think he he enjoys being in that position oh my god there is a kink for everything ew do you think that like they like watch these scenes back and like totally get off on it now oh my god maybe that's why yeah maybe that's why they stay on the show after Mm. all of that i just said some things that i shouldn't have and now i'm disgusted with myself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> story of our lives <laughs> except replacing like, it with something like, else why did, why did these ideas pop up in my head just now yeah that, it's like, that statement can basically be replaced with any other action it could be like i just said some things i just ate some things i just saw some things i just did some things like the story the story of my life is i did something and i'm totally disgusted with Uh, why but, did I even? Uh, why did I even <laughs> think like that about Ashley and Michael? Now I'm disgusted. Okay, well, you know what else is ridiculous? You know what else was disgusting? The strip mall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Doctor Wig. Let's talk about Doctor Wig a little bit. Was it Doctor Wig? Many- was it oh hair doc? Yeah, I thought he was called Doctor Wig. No, I think his Chiron said hair. Do- it was Doctor Wig, but I think. The establishment was called it's called Hair Doc. Yes, the uh, Hair Doc Studio but, in Beltsville, Maryland. <laughs> oh, and you know where Beltsville is, right? Uh, it's not the it's not the nicest area. Or the, no, it's also on the very opposite side of Potomac. But whatever, it's on. <laughs> it's and also like it's a strip mall. Yeah. Every time they kept cutting to like somebody entering the party, they kept Mm -hmm. showing the door and like the paint around the door was like constantly tripping. It looked so bad. They did the hilarious thing of showing before Dr. Wing and after meeting Dr. Wing. And said Karen was like when she invited them in the last episode, she said, I want you to come on this because you've been in this big journey with me from the beginning. (laughs) And they all look so confused. What they don't understand is this started out with Karen in the first episode episode when people said her wig looked terrible and that's what she's referring to that you guys have seen me my wig come loose and you know my wig glue uh, melt away and all of that and so that's what she's referring to and they're like no we were never we never knew you were planning a wig that's how 
what she's saying. I she's mean, saying, you. I don't I know. I feel the, like you're I giving Karen so much. You're cutting I her do. way too much slack. Because I do. But she found the big guy, and she's saying, "Look, I found a good big guy, and I'm going to put my brand on. You know, this is going to be the second floor of the Ladam establishment." What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? Okay, that is as nonsensical as a formidable institution He's of a building- business and a marriage. It makes no damn sense. No damn sense. Building a tower. She's building the Ladam Tower. And this is the second floor of it. Okay, let me tell you what this is. Okay, let me tell you what this is. RPG Show is an existing wig company. Karen is just putting her name on a bunch of wigs and uh-huh. selling them. It is not at all this like business that she's been working on, whatever. It's as, as simple as an influencer, it's like a Kim Zosiak. As real as a Trump company, okay? It's yeah, as no. real as a Trump company. The name is the license. Yes, exactly. And it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. She hasn't been putting any work into it. She's acting as if she's this like a really busy businesswoman. It's like, I actually believe fine. I will give her that Ladam might have been had a little bit more work where she probably had to go in and talk to somebody about the kind of fragrance she wants. She had that whole fake thing where they went to Paris to like a fragrance shop, whatever, and they smelled a bunch of flowers. But like, this is something that influencers do all the time. Anytime you see a name of a company X, the name of a brand, it basically, yeah. it means that this brand is allowing this company to use their name. Like like you said, it's the license, right? So that's yeah. all it is. Karen hasn't done any work for it. So it just is hilarious. So my favorite thing about Potomac is very similarly to how much I loved Bethany on Roni, right? It's that they all look at the crazy person in the room like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it's hilarious. Like when they're playing that video of her launch and everybody's like what are we watching here like they all have this look on their face like bitch you're crazy but i felt like this episode was karen's ramona moment (laughs) karen went full ramona this episode and Mm -hmm. it weirdly just made me fucking love her (laughs) you you love karen even as she was calling out the ray from the bathroom you who ray Ray. follow my boys raymond And Ray's like, yeah. <laughs> Ray took Ray had to take one step at a time. His heart was beating way too fast for him. He's like, oh shit. Did yeah. I take my Viagra today? I don't quite remember. Let me take the, let me take the next step slowly, slowly. By the it took him a while to get up there. I know it did. Well, I don't but I mean he's like 80 something. He's really old it just cracked me up because i feel like i don't know what karen was thinking she was having her like tamra barney judge moment it was just so uncomfortable i was like this wasn't cute ever like i don't ever want to see this it wasn't cute when ramona did it it wasn't cute when tamra did it i don't ever want to see and it's like you said before the candles that she lit had never been lit they all had like fresh wigs yes she's never never done this you set it up for the camera i was putting myself in the shoes of the cameraman and dying how these cameramen do not laugh in her face i don't know how do they keep a straight face when she is doing and then, and then she's like she like invites him to like i don't know touch her feet or whatever and then he's like he goes why don't we play he goes what i don't ever play toesies we don't play toesies anymore it's like Right. Like, let's play holesies holesies let's <laughs> she says she says why don't you follow my toesies and moseys up to my hosies <laughs> <laughs> noor noor i i i dare you to use that on pod <laughs> oh my god i'm totally gonna use it on my husband use oh that my on god your husband. let me know what he said <laughs> oh my okay guys yeah i'm gonna do this investigative report tonight and report back to in the next week yeah i'm definitely gonna do it because he's gonna look at me like i've lost my mind and he's he's gonna be like ray he's gonna be like yeah Um, (laughs) god i think that's the most romantic thing ever oh god it's so bad oh that was like watching grandma and grandpa have sex it It, was 100 percent 100%. Okay, so at this wig party, Monique comes. And Monique comes. I gotta say. Okay, so before, let's let's back up, okay? Yes, yes, yes. Monique and 
Ashley had lunch. Mm-hmm. Where Monique was fabulous as always. But always. So Ashley stirs the pot and lets Monique know that Karen said that she wasn't invited. And Monique says, no, I was invited. I, to- I said I may not come. And then Ashley puts Karen on blast by calling her. And then Karen backtracks and says, well, no, I said that she said she couldn't make it or she cannot come or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was not what Karen said. And then Karen says, oh, you tried it, Ashley. You tried it. <laughs> I'm like, Karen, you know, she tried it. So I so here's my theory about what happened after Karen put the phone down with Ashley. I think she called the producers and she said, well, you know, the confrontation that we were trying to put up, that may not happen because Ashley just put me on blast. So Monique knows that I have invited Ken. Mm. So then the producers tried to have Karen make it so that these two run into each other at Karen's event. And that was supposed to be the big shift and bang. That was supposed to be the bang because we never saw the bang. We saw the big shift. Yes, there was no bang. The only bang bang. was, there wasn't even any bang in the bathtub at Karen's house. There was no no bang at all. Yes. Yeah. She kept, it's just so funny when Karen also like announces the name. She's like, I'm going to have a little wick shift and bang party. Like she says it so casually. Everybody's like, what does that mean? It reminds me of like when Nini had that like gays and whites remember always seafood soiree or whatever that was. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Salt Lake City, the Mary's luncheon. I love when they put titles on parties. I'm like, just fucking say that you're having lunch with your friends. <laughs> just say that you're yeah. having a barbecue. Just say that you're having a wig lunch. You don't yeah. have to put another name on it. You are not Puff Daddy. Like, yeah, it's so funny. But yeah, I just love that Karen is always trying to be just like the cutest and coolest. And it's always yeah. failing, but I love it. And, you know, the other ladies were right to put that whole event down. They were making fun of it, that no yes. one else was there. There was nobody else there except for, you know, the most important person, Matt. Matt was there. Matt was there. No lines Matt, for Matt this week. No, but Matt was there. But I think this was all set up to, for by the producers with Karen's help to get Monique and Candace back on camera together. Yes. Because I feel like they might have refused to be on camera together. Yes. And this was like, oh, accidentally have them. And Karen was willing to go with it, but she bungled it up because she didn't quite know how to do that with finesse. Yeah, because Karen is like messier than her wigs. Ashley figured it out and Ashley sabotaged the whole arrangement. I fucking love that by the yeah. way. I love yeah. it. And Karen is so nervous. Karen keeps licking her lips like Kyle Richards. Like, did you notice that right. whenever she gets nervous, yeah, she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, I don't and, know. You know, and you know how she kept, even when she was talking to Monique, she kept checking her phone because she had asked Candace to come early and she was like, where's Candace? She should have been here. She's not here. And she kept checking. And then Candace kept saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And so yep. at the very last minute, Karen chickened out and she thought Candace would be there outside the door, but it wasn't Candace. It was someone else that was getting off it, the car. It was a lady at the salon who was going to like press the publish button right. on their like and Tumblr Karen post totally, or whatever. Yeah, and Karen, yeah. Karen just bungled up the whole damn thing. And then you can and, tell that she's pissed because she yeah. keeps doing really wacky shit the rest of the time. Yeah. She calls the guy Steven, Dr. Wig. She calls him the creative director, which just like everybody's like, Karen, stop. This is so <laughs> ridiculous. And then they bring up the fact that apparently she got lit at a one-year-old's birthday party, but she did not have like any alcohol at in Ashley, Portugal. Now Karen gives her <laughs> antacids. Amazing. Amazing on <laughs> Ashley. And I also think Ashley did this funny thing at the lunch where she brought this like dollar store toy for Chase. And I think she only only brought it up so that they can talk about Karen being at the birthday party. Like I know Ashley is such a, oh, she's so sneaky. That's why I love Ashley. I'm like, you know what, Ashley, even if you have to stay on the show and show us your disgusting husband, you can do it. She's doing a good job of being there and stirring the pot. That's pretty much her role. And she does it very seamlessly but flawless yeah i was wondering what is that shit that she brought for monique it was like plastic dollar store toys you're right yep and then so at this wig party uh karen just cannot handle the heat 
guys. She just can't because obviously like Robin also Robin's hilarious because she's always eating and I love that. She's just like eating a little mini cupcake and she's like, Karen, why didn't you drink? How come you're drinking at a one-year-old's birthday party and not at Portugal? Maybe it's because you're afraid of what you're going to say when you're drink- drinking and Karen goes all the way fucking left. She says, you should be concerned about what Juan says when he's drunk. And the best part of that is Ray goes, okay, I'm out of here. And Karen just- says that Karen says that and the producer asks Karen what what is it that you know at one? And she's like, Oh, that's for the couch. What does that I mean? I, for the reunion couch. Oh <laughs> she's like, Oh, that's for the couch. I'm like, what did you hear about one when he drinks? I now I have to find out. Like, I'm like, gonna find out anyway. But like yeah, yeah I, it just cracked me up because I had to rewind that a couple of times and I was like, I need subtitles. And I was like, That's the couch. What does that mean? What words are you saying Karen but it's like she says things in like such riddles sometimes that I'm like I'm intrigued tell me more <laughs> I want to like understand this like bizarro uh, like reunion couch. essentially she was like threatening Robin because she didn't know Robin had already outed her I don't like race dick comment so she yes. was like oh, Robin says that I'm gonna threaten Robin but Robin has already said that yes that's possible <laughs> they're talking to they're talking <laughs> about the Monique situation having the serious conversation and, and she's like ladies ladies I wanted to show you this it's my packaging and it's like a black box with their logo on top that's all it is but like, she's so proud yeah, of it we saw the logo oh Karen God. it's all over the party I was like, oh. Also, I feel like wouldn't that party have been better? I mean, the the strip mall was hilarious. So I feel like I'm so glad they had it at the strip mall. But like, she could have had a bunch of mirrors and chairs set up at like her house because her house is beautiful. She could have done it there, and it would have made like way more sense. It would have been way more intimate or whatever. But that's also what who said that? I think Robin said it. No, it was Wendy. She said it's cozy. She said it's cozy. It's cozy. cozy. Speaking of Wendy, her mom is crazy. That, her mom is crazy, but Wendy is like her lips were trembling yeah. as she was telling her mother. That was real fear of disappointing her mother. And her mother was like, "You are ungrateful for giving up on what the path that I set you on, and you have to be a professor." And I have a couple of black friends who are professors, you know, getting to the professorship is such a big deal. Even though they're miserable, they are having a hard time quitting it and moving into mm-hmm. something, something that they would be passionate about because they have committed themselves to being the PhD in the family, the professor in the family and, you know, educating the next generation mm-hmm. Being an academic, it's so hard. You're underpaid, overworked. They still hang on to it because they are so afraid of disappointing their families. They are like from the Caribbean and from Africa. And they have a hard time giving Mm -hmm. that up. So it almost feels very cultural where, you know, they work so hard to get there that they would disappoint a whole community if they Mm -hmm. give. Yeah, one of my really good friends, she's been in her PhD program for quite some time now. She's married to a doctor. Her parents are physicians. Her grandparents are physicians. She's Pakistani. Like everybody's a doctor or a lawyer. And Uh so she feels really under a lot of pressure. Like she had a, she had a baby, like she obviously COVID happened and she was supposed to be done this summer. And she's like, she's miserable. She always says like, I'm doing all this because I just need to finish it because I've been doing it for so long. Right. But by the time I'm done, I don't even know if I'm really going to love this. That's how I felt because I came here. I spent, I wanted to do this. I came here. I spent a lot of money, my father's money came here to a foreign country and I went through the program and towards the end of it, I could not, I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't know where I was going to go next. I had no clue what to do next. It was the most confusing time of my life. And I just kept at it because, I mean, I had already started it. I'd put in so many years, I might as well finish it. That's where you get so disillusioned by the end of it. Yeah, and that seems like what Wendy's basically going through. I mean, Wendy did it four degrees. So I can imagine the amount of pressure she was under if this is why she did it. She said she did it as trophies for her mother. So sad. That also boggles my mind that her mother has so much power over these girls. Like, my poor mother doesn't have that power over me. So I, uh, same, my mom has no power over me. But I also completely understood... 
like that moment when her mom says like, I am proud of you and she's crying. I also cried because my parents always have known that there's no way that they can control anything that I do ever. And my parents know that they they really cannot influence me in anything. There's so many been so many times, even as an adult, where like that my mom has tried to do this thing where I'm sure your mom has done it before, where she'll call me because she wants me to be somewhere and I'll be like, I'm busy that day. Or like I can't go to this like family function. And my mom right. will go, Okay, yeah, well just let me know. And I'm like, I did just I let just, you know. I just let you know. <laughs> I just told you I'm not available. And she'll be like, just think it over and let me know. And I'm like, there's no more thinking. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I'm not coming. And it's this like weird power move they have where they're just like, I'm just not going to fucking listen to you. Yeah. And you're going to call me back and you're going to tell me the thing that I'm wanting to hear. And of course, it doesn't work with me because I'm a little bitch. And so yeah. she can't do that to me. But even then, once I have once in my life gotten that from my mom where she told mm-hmm. me. I am proud of you. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you how she – I think I've told you, Arthi, how she said it. I asked my mom. I said, are you proud of me? I've got two older brothers. I said, yeah. mom, I said, Ami, are you proud of me? And she said, I'm proud of all three of you. Yeah. And I was like, you, you just like all children mattered, your children. Like that's yeah. what you just did to me and that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking yeah. you, like, are you proud of me? And she'll be like, of course. They have a hard time expressing affection and pride, but they have no problem expressing disappointment. Forever disappointed. Yeah. Constantly. Yep. yep. Then she was like – no, well, you know what I mean. Like, of course I'm proud of you. Why would you even ask me that? And I'm like, because I need you to tell me because I'm a human being and I need that. And then she'll say it and then she'll go, yeah, well, I never heard it growing up. Yeah. I'd never heard. Nobody ever told me. And I'm like, yeah, and I see how you are. So I can, yeah. you, can you like, I certainly don't need validation from my parents all the time, obviously, but it is always really nice to hear. I'm still a human being that, that needs it. And I think that's what Wendy needs. So in our community, especially my parents' generation, maybe your parents' generation, they went through such a different society. Their parents were never openly, uh, you know, physically affectionate or any of that. They weren't, sh- they didn't show any of any of that. It was a very repressed society. And part of it was just being under the yoke of the British Raj for 300 years yes, and just struggling for food and water and everything. You just don't think about all of these other things, your luxuries. Nobody took a minute to consider our parents as they were growing up, their feelings and what they needed. So they never understood that they had to do that for us. So they don't express any of that affection, but they put a lot of expectations on you. It's why. And they show their disappointment when you don't reach those expectations. You know, growing up, I would hug my father, but he never would come and hug us, right? Mm -hmm. It was always the other way around. So even to the day he died, I was the one hugging him and showing him affection. It was never the other way around. He loved being hugged, but he didn't know how to hug you back. Mm-hmm. just didn't know how to do that I talk about this this is like taking a like generational trauma detour but I often have to remind myself that my parents did the best they could with what they had my father grew up in poverty and mm-hmm. so my I always have to remind myself my father gave us everything that he didn't have that he could exactly. see so right. he could see people with nice shoes he could see people with a great education he could see people with nice homes and cars and clothes and he made sure that his his kids got all those things. Exactly. But what he couldn't see was affection, right? He never got affection. So right. there was no way and you can't see that. So he there was no way for him to give that to us because it's like asking my dad, like, why didn't you ever talk to me in French? And it's like, why would my dad ever talk to me in French? He never learned French. So he right. never learned that. Exactly. So it's like same thing with your father. It's like he loved you, but it's yeah. like love is this unspoken, this thing that you just assume and you know. And it's so interesting because in our culture also, like there's a lot of when your parents are disappointed and you tell them like, you know, that really hurt my feelings. Like now I tell my mom all the time as an adult, I'm like, that really hurt my feelings. She'll be like, yeah, but you know that I loved you, right? And I'm like, no, if you don't ever hear encouragement and you only hear bad things, 
you just right. assume that your parents don't really like you. Right. And then she's like, she gets it now. It's so interesting. Like when you break it down to them simply like that, it it makes sense and they get it. But nobody's ever broken it down for them. And yeah, it yeah. has to do with just being like inferior and having fucking the British ruined everything, guys. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> Colonialism really fucked us all over. Yeah. It, yeah. It, the, the effects of it have come down so many generations. I still feel it and i wasn't even under british rule i wasn't born during that but yeah. i feel the repercussions because it's so ingrained it, it broke the confidence in all of the people right so we are not a very confident people because of that so yeah you know you have to build that up the only way we know how to do that is to maybe extremely educated and knowledgeable and know every damn shit so you can never tell us that we don't know what we are talking about so yeah. That's but the where- shame of that is that we want to have all the accolades and we want to have all the intelligence that comes to like money and success and books. But there's a very little effort to give any like emotional intelligence, which yes. I do think is changing. Like I think especially with our generation, it is changing. But- absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so grateful for that. But <sighs> we're doing really poorly on time. We haven't even talked about Salt Lake City yet. <laughs> okay. No. So, uh, back so the to the final fight. Yeah, she curses about. She says she tells off Robin, and then Ray's like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm out of here." And then she just leaves, and that's it. That's Karen. Karen said, "Bye." This is your event. What are you doing? The irony in this is that even though Ashley very openly does not like Candace, she's a better coworker to Candace than Karen is because she's like, "I just want to tell you, by the way, the conversation that she had with Monique was for Monique to come and stand her ground." And I think that's that's crazy. That was chilling to me. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City this week, Jen Shah has a very public private experience. (laughs) Mary throws a Met Gala themed luncheon. Heather continues to be my absolute favorite person. And Lisa wants to know, can I touch? Can I touch? Because I love that. I love that. (laughs) I just want to touch it. Like, what is wrong with you? Are you a toddler? Uh, That that woman was about to throw her out of that. She looked at her like, like, what the uh, fuck are you doing here, (laughs) ma'am? But Lisa, that's all Lisa did was listen to Mary talk and then ask if she could touch something. Yeah, she listened to people talk and was like, I love it. Yeah, I get it. That's a vibe. Can I touch? I'm so sad. I'm going to cry. And like, that's it. That's all Lisa did. I do think that when she cried with Meredith, that was real. That did feel real to me. Yeah. But the rest of it, I was like, stop, Lisa. You're just here to collect a paycheck. Yeah. Let's stop it. Yeah. But Jen Shaw, tell me what you think about Jen Shaw. The episode starts with her blowing up at the 20s party. (laughs) And she went left like so fast and she went crazy so fast. She reminded me of Dorinda. She was like Mm -hmm. wrong. She had said she had already had 10 drinks before she got there. And then she just escalated so fast. And almost everybody said they were scared of her. We just want to comfort her because we just want to go and say, are you okay? Because we don't want her to be mad at us. We're just so scared of her. Everybody, including Heather, is scared of her. Yes. That says something. That means that you have some anger issues. You have some problems, lady. This is, and, you know, Meredith was like, she's talking about the sleepover and it's about my daughter. And she's like, I don't want to tell her here that my kids didn't like her and didn't want me to do the sleepover. That's what Meredith is talking about. She doesn't even know that Jen is mad at her for being friends with Mary and why she's mad at her for being friends with Mary. <laughs> Meredith was so confused. She's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. To why be honest, you? I don't even think Jen knows what she's mad like, at Meredith I about. Heather, Heather was right. She's mad at Sharif and she's yep. putting it out on everybody else. Mary was, she called Mary grandfather, motherfucker. Okay, <laughs> can we just talk about that for just a moment? So, sure. first of all, she did not call Mary a grandfather, motherfucker. Mary kept saying, you know, she said grandfather MFR. Like, yeah. first of all, a grandfather motherfucker is a whole other person. Okay, that's not Mary. <laughs> a grandfather motherfucker is a person 
who fucks their grandfather's mother. Like that's a whole <laughs> other thing. Uh, and she kept or saying, a mother or a mother who fucks a grandfather. Or hold on, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. A grandfather motherfucker. Like it almost just sounds like or a, a grandpa who fucked a mother. Yeah. A grandpa <laughs> who fucks a mother. Like I don't these are very different things. And they kept it was just cracked me up because Mary Everyone kept saying it. And then every the others were saying the same thing too. I mean, it was so hilarious. I was like, "That's not what she said." Mary is not offended. Mary's sitting there, rolling her eyes and saying, "Yes, that's true." Did she? Yeah. Call, did you just call me because that's me? <laughs> so Mary still weirdo, right? But like Mary, halfway through the episode, <laughs> yeah, halfway through the episode, I was like. You know what? Mary's weird. She's obviously out of place. Everybody's definitely looking at her sideways, being like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I'm in for the ride. But by the end of it, I was like, oh, Mary's an evil person. Mary is going to the bad place real, real fast. Like, she is not nice. And we'll oh, talk really? about Mary. Yeah. So Jen Shaw is having a private experience, guys. I agree. She's being a total Dorinda. She seems exhausting. And I know I was very good friends with somebody who was like that, who whenever she would get drunk, Mm -hmm. would go absolutely ballistic. And I used to be more of a Heather before. And then I turned into a Meredith because I was like, I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah. I'm going to walk away from you and I'm not going to engage because this is exhausting and I'm not your mom. Yeah. Like eventually that bit me in the ass because she translated my sort of disengaging as Meredith did as like being condescending. And I was like, yeah, I kind of am. I'm judging yeah. you for being a, a, a crazy drunk and you need to yeah. like go get help. You know, yeah. um, yeah. the thing that's exhausting about so much you can handle when yeah. that when you start getting uncomfortable and it's every time you meet and it becomes a habit and now they're leaning on you. They are also using you as a scapegoat for this, right? They're using mm-hmm. and if you just keep listening to them go off like this, you're enabling that behavior. So you have yeah. to disengage. You have to disengage. What Meredith did was the right thing. A, she didn't know what the issue was and then here's Jen going off and crying and making such a big deal she just mm-hmm. made such a big scene over nothing over was this over hospital smell really no and then on social media she just said that she hadn't come back from the hospital the day that Mary said that mm-hmm. Mary just said that to be mean but Jen in the last episode you said that mm-hmm. you had just come from the hospital where your aunt had at the very last minute lost both her legs. Yep. So either you smell of hospital, you're using the wrong perfume, you need to change your perfume, it's not <laughs> hospital, or you're lying. You would you came from the hospital. Yep. I need the aunt to show up like yeah. my girl Aviva Drescher and lift out those fake legs and throw them in the middle of the room and say, the only thing fake about me is this. Because I don't know either. I saw that also and I was like, what? Again, I feel like something else has happened and they're not showing it yet. I do feel like it. you mentioned it last week how sometimes the editing seems like really choppy and random. Mm -hmm. You know, I've watched enough reality TV over the years where I can tell when all of a sudden there's like a bowl on the screen, but like I hear somebody in the background say so tell me what you thought about the party it's like they recorded this later you know what I mean so it's like I definitely think there's some of that but yeah Jen just went absolutely ballistic she's basically doing what Monique did to Candace yeah where she just unloaded all of her shit that's going on in her personal life to this woman Mary now is Mary without fault certainly not I'm sure she's a fucking weirdo okay my biggest takeaway from this episode was Heather is me I love Heather so much because she's a great friend she's a great friend she called herself a flapper with cankles I was like yeah same yeah and she's (laughs) always ready to eat yes and she was so worried her drumsticks would be gone she kept saying I'm not moving away from my drumsticks you watch my drumsticks I get it have you ever had she was so worried about the food I was in love with her I was like that would be me okay lollipop chicken is like my favorite appetizer (laughs) if I see lollipop chicken on a menu I'm like yeah bring me four of those I'm gonna down it I don't know what it is but I fucking (laughs) love it and I totally totally get it she was like don't clear the table 
Yeah, she was like, keep an eye on my food. I'll be right back. And she goes out and she puts Jen into the car and she says the best things that a friend could say. I mean, yeah. she's for me, I think this uh, cemented that Jen is quite terrible. Yep. And Heather is still being such a good friend to her. And she's saying, you're very emotional right now, but you look cute. and <laughs> You're just going to go through this and you're going to be fine tomorrow. You're going to be okay. And she just puts her in and... That sort of seems to calm her down. That calms her down, but I also think Jenna's still so crazy because later on at Heather's house, Heather, again, says um, amazing things. She's like, physically, you're a dream. Emotionally, total mess. (laughs) It's a perfect amount of affection to give a person that you know still needs your help, right? Like, it's a... And I think somebody like Jen, who is obviously like superficial, needs that, right? Like you need to tell somebody like that, like you're beautiful, but like you need to fix your life. Jen is super needy. I can't deal with that. Heather is the perfect, she's very calm and she gives her the perfect amount of reassurance while telling her the truth as well. So that's a very fine line to walk Mm -hmm. with people like Jen so and Jen seems to be receptive to it so that's good for her but at the same time it's like oh my but god I don't this trust Jen at all this, I don't Jen I don't know what she was trying to accomplish Jen I, I don't trust Jen at all because Jen is also a crazy person because the minute that she is mad at Meredith she like tells Heather about Meredith being separated from her husband yeah which is like really fucked up because she admits it she goes oh well you know what i'm mad at you so like this is just what i'm gonna do and i was like that's so fucking immature and i'm like thinking to myself okay fine i get it your husband is away a lot right and you feel really lonely a lot but here you are you've been in this place for how long yeah you've been in salt you know you've been in utah for so many years and you haven't established friendships long enough where yeah. you constantly need to hang out with your castmates, like, and you've paid, yeah. you have paid friends. You've admittedly yeah. paid friends. So it was a really weird episode for Jen. I will say, however, her uh-huh. saving grace, and I think you'll appreciate it, her saving grace for me was when she said, I'm a brown girl. I eat. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how you win me over. Yeah. I'm hungry now. Ooh, I could eat. I just I thought of always something. eat. Yeah. I just thought of what I could snack on before I go to bed. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, that's how you win me. Yes. Now, Mary. Okay. Mary uh-huh. is. She's so cool. And her son has enough money to buy his girlfriend Prada bags. I'm like, where is this money coming from? The fucking church, man. And it made me feel so gross. It made yeah. me feel so disgusted. Yeah. Because of like the over the top opulence at all. Like I know that Jamal Bryant makes a lot of money, right? Yeah. We know that, right? But yeah. it's still not really shown on the show at the level that Mary's wealth is being shown. Yeah. And the thing is, Mary's wealth is very much still new money. Like yes. you could tell that she spends it like new money. That weird luncheon that she has. I lo- I love the fact that everybody's like, Mary doesn't make any sense, but like that's just also Mary. They're like yeah. They're, they're all accepting of her crazy. I love Whitney. She was like, you know, I don't know what Jen is going to do at this Met Gala cocktail attire luncheon. <laughs> like, yeah. Heather's like, I don't think Mary knows what the Met Gala is because the Met Gala is a place and the theme changes all the time. So yeah. what do you mean? And in the middle of the day, they roll up at that luncheon and there's those people like the valet. They were wearing, like, they were wearing the, did oh you see the God. jacket? Jackets look like plastic pleather. They weren't. Okay. The one gentleman had his buttons, not buttoned, lined up like it was crooked. So he had missed a button at some point. It looked, it looked bonkers. It was so bad. It reminded me of like 11 or 12 in the afternoon, 1130 in the morning, a red carpet. The outfit that Mary wore is like 110% an outfit I wore in like, I want to say 2000, at least 2008. Like, it wasn't cute. It was like a red dress with like a bunch of necklaces. And okay, fine. There were Chanel necklaces. There were probably like fake Chanel necklaces, to be completely honest. Her wig was a mess. But the worst thing was that she's setting up this thing and she's talking about how she's such a fucking perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And she has these helpers. And she looks at them and says, do you guys know how to read? I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was so mad. I was like, I hate Mary. And then on top of it, I think you mentioned it when we talked about it, is she does that weird whisper prayer. Yes. And did you see that the whole party thing, she was 
whispering, whispering yes. the whole time to the point where they had to put captions, closed captions when she was talking to people. It didn't make any sense. I was like, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know if this is like part of her like weird preacher persona. Her yeah. prayer made no sense. She tried to squeeze out some tears, but it was obviously like, this isn't working. Yeah. I don't know if she didn't take the right pills so this morning. Even before they sat down, she, she got the women in and she had to point out the money she spent on that. So she yes. had the Louis Vuitton oh, yeah. earbuds. She had the beta fish. She had like four or five journals tied up. Like how much are these ladies going to read or write? And then she she offers them champagne. And this is when 256 people died in a heat wave. And they had the best crop of grapes. I'm like, it's what? It's so gross. It was the weirdest thing to say. It was super creepy. And even on the topic of the betta fish, it cracked me up because they were like, oh, she's got the betta fish in the center. A betta fish at the fucking pet store is like $4. Okay. Yes. It's not that expensive. Like they had that like kooky, nutty, prof- I don't know what that Professor Einstein gentleman uh, was with the, with the truffles. <laughs> he was the professor from Back to the Future. He found the very last okay, white Okay. I'm not going to accept that. That's offensive to Doc. Okay. <laughs> How dare you? Okay, he would dark. never. Uh, he was he ne- no. That man was not Doc. That man was weird. Okay, that's all that man was. Uh, and he had um, the last white truffle on earth, and she had to point out that is three thousand dollars. It was like Pam, um, Dana Pam moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dana. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, it was just, the luncheon was weird, but the the thing is again, like Jen lost her mind, seems like an exhausting person, loves to eat as a brown girl. And two, she's, she's sh- like rolling her eyes during that prayer. She was like, what the I fuck I laughed when Jen arrived to the party. She came in with a skunk over her shoulder. <laughs> it was like so over the top. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, that's true. But she's not having it. She's not buying what she's selling. And the thing is the difference between Jen and like Heather and Whitney is Heather and Whitney are also not buying their yeah. shit. Like they think she's crazy. But Heather and Whitney have been raised to be polite. And Jen is like not putting up with any of this shit. And right. oh, the other hilarious thing that happened was they're all going around and they're talking about the things that they want to like change about themselves. And Jen has this very heartfelt story in yeah. the Tongan culture and everything like that. And they get to Lisa and Lisa's like, I'm not going to cry, but I just have a lot of high goals for myself. And oh, you uh, have a very good Lisa voice. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> I just oh. like that. OK, I don't want to change anything. And like the everybody just looks at her. But like the greatest thing about Lisa is even though she is like cloyingly annoying. Yeah. It cracks me up that everybody just like is laughing at her. I think that's what I really like about this cast. The reason why I'm not liking Jen is because people aren't laughing at her. People are scared of her. Whereas with everybody else, they're sort of laughing at them. Like, like that's the part of it that is sad about Jen. But everything about like Lisa says that and Whitney's like, Lisa fucking loves herself. I wish I loved myself as much as Lisa loves herself, which I agree. I wish that I had that, but it kills me. And then, you know, everything that Mary did, Lisa just giving like, I love that. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) She's such a suck up. She sucks up to anybody who will buy her tequila. That's basically it. She doesn't yeah. have, I, I feel like maybe with Meredith, she has some genuine relationship, but yes. I feel like Lisa has a hard time finding, having a genuine re- relationship because she's, she's so fake about everything. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So that yeah. was it on these two. Yeah, but it was, they were like, you know, Jen and uh, Mary were set up. They were like going at each other. So next week is going to be another blow up. Can't wait. Yeah. I can't I believe mean, it's been like, what, four episodes and they're already two, two to be continued. And I was like, right. I don't need you to do that. Like, I'm going to watch next week. You don't need to make this a cliffhanger. Right. right. We don't need to button this up. You yeah. can just end the episode there and that's it like we know it's gonna be continued you're not gonna cancel no, the show and we're right. never gonna hear about it again what i want is the you know i want bravo to finish the luncheon and then as they walk away like much like the hills so you know how they would have a fight and they would walk away with music <laughs> that's where i want bravo to stop the episode so they're walking away and there's like music 
And yeah, I guess kind of like Selling Sunset does that yeah, too. Yeah, Selling Sunset does that too. That because it's it ties up every episode, and that actually I find it to be nicer than waiting another whole episode and like, oh, okay, now you're going to finish the fight. We know yeah, the fight is building up. Just have that fight, and when they do that, typically it's such so anticlimactic because you go to the other side and you watch it, and you're like, oh, it was nothing. Yeah, so they do that fight. a lot. I love it. Yeah, they're just trying to get you to see the next episode, which you were going to see anyway. Which is which was your point? Like you yeah, watch exactly. I was on the fence with Jen. Now I'm not. I'm like, oh, she's scary. I don't mm-hmm. want. I'm. I don't like her. Crazy. Yeah. She's scary. I think Jen is just as crazy as Mary. Jen has delusions of grandeur. Mary yep. has delusions of grandeur. Yeah. I think they are almost exactly the same person. Oh, what a theory! Yeah. That's why they butt heads, and you know, Jen has given Mary that platform of being her equal because she yes. made her her enemy right because mary doesn't have anything to show for herself it's jen putting her on a platform and saying i'm going to come for you and you I, you and i are going to go at each other then. yeah you know, that's how mary is relevant to this show i definitely think that jen feels threatened by mary in the sense that there was a lot of draw right like when everybody saw the trailer the biggest draw was oh my god there's a woman who's married to her step grandfather or whatever yeah. right and i think that that's what mm. Jen because Jen has spent the last if Jen is an academic Jen is an academic in housewives this woman has spent many 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 nights away from her husband studying the housewives and she has been like if I could create a Barbie of a, a perfect housewives, you would have the glam squad of Dorit and Erica. You would have the sass of like Nene Leaks. You know, like she's doing all of these things. She's been studying it and it's it really yeah. shows because it's coming off really yeah. fake. I actually wish that they had shown that moment where she did go to the- To her father's um, grave, yeah. Yeah, when she went to visit her father, that was a really sincere moment. Her son was yeah. there. Even initially when the show started and they showed those moments with like her and her kids yeah. or even her like, I said like behind a Swiffer I was like you know what this seems more relatable than throwing an $85,000 birthday party or having a glam squad I don't want to see a glam squad yeah you're right I still love the show I don't usually love a show in the very first year but I do love this one Mm -hmm. it's done good it's done well well. yeah So that's it for our Bravo recap this week next episode is going to be episode two of fabulous lives of Bollywood wives. It's so good. So find us on Instagram at the reality is pod. Please leave us a review and thank you for listening. Thank you. And that's it for us this week. <laughs>